Blessings to you, my friend. This is Pastor McGee with Empowerment Ministries Christian Center, and you're listening to Empower the City Podcast. I pray today that your hearts are blessed, minds renewed, and you are infused with the passion to serve God like never before. Blessings to you, and enjoy the message. Last week, we started a series simply entitled Covenant Sex. Now, I must admit, um, this week, um, I've, I've approached this particular teaching today with some sense of trepidation and I've just really been meditating and thinking and my wife she she been asking me all yesterday you ready for your message yet you ready for I'm working on it I'm working on it but the reality is um three topics that are challenging usually for preachers to preach and that's about money power and sex power when it comes to authority spiritual authority people submitting people not abusing authority that's usually kind of challenging because people you know I'm grown I do what I want to do you know, when it comes to money, I'm, I'm grown too. Don't, don't tell me, don't tell me to give nothing to the church. I'm going to get what I want to give. So in essence, we don't tithe. We simply just kind of tip God, uh, just kind of give him what we want. And then when we go through challenging times financially, and, and by the way, tithing is just money 101. The Bible has so much more to say concerning money. It says things like that a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children so he don't die broke. Come on, somebody. That's what the Bible says. And we got too many people that's dying broke because they choose to do it their way versus God's way. Now, now here's the problem with that. When you say that I am a Christian, that means that Jesus is now the Lord of your life. And if he's the Lord of your life, that means that you strive to live your life by his standard. And we have too many Christians that say he's the Lord, but that they, they don't want his standard. I just want to get out of hell free pass, but I'm going to do what I want to do until I get to heaven. So likewise, when it comes to sexuality, man, there are so many issues that we're dealing with right here in the house of God. I had one of my mentors gave me an interesting statistic that I want to share with you guys. Um, he said that 91, and he of course got this from the Reader's Digest, he said 91% of all sex scenes on television are outside of marriage. I thought that was very, very interesting. 91%, 91, 91% of any scene that you see on, he didn't even include movies in this, just television scenes. So I started thinking about that four minute chat. So um, the sex scenes on television is going to be exciting. Watch this. It's going to be passionate. I mean, if it's, it's going to draw your attention, if it's, it's going to draw you in, if it's going to make you come back and, and wait for next week's. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Unless you're on Netflix. <laughs> it's thrilling. It's anticipating. There's a sense of ambu amb ambiguity because you don't know. You see what you see, but your mind has to fill in what you don't see. <laughs> so 91%, oh, listen, listen, 91% of emotionally charged sexuality that you see on TV is attributed to non-committed sex. Hit it, quit it, one night stand, prostitution, we just live together and make it work. When it stops working, you go my way, I go my way, you go your way. 91% of emotionally charged sexuality is pointed to sex that's not within marriage, that's not within covenant. So that leaves, watch this, 9% of the marital sex that we do see or may not see on TV that we just kind of assume, watch this, it's not exciting, it's predictable. obligatory, thrilling, nah, nah, anticipating, 
It's routine. She do the she wear the same thing, he do the same thing. And studies have been shown because, especially us brothers, and I'm going to talk to the brothers quite a bit today, because a brother, I mean, and women are just, they're just different. Women, women are just, just different. Women are different because what worked last night ain't going to work tonight. You know what I'm saying? What made her toes curl last night, you like, I got the combination, dog. I got it. I got it. And then you go next night and you be like, doot, 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 doot. What's wrong with you, girl? This the combination for last night. There's no ambiguity. Everything seems to be apparent. Now watch this. If this is what society is, the picture that they're painting, that this non-committed sex is exciting, but, but let, me, let me say it. Let me say it the way society might say it. You mean to tell me that you're going to be with one woman having sex with that one woman for the rest of your life? That's, that's the picture that society will paint. And, and, and so predictable, boring, routine, that may, may kind of explain why 57% of the men commit adultery, 40, 54% of women, and then 74% of brothers say, if I get away with it, I'll do it, dog. <laughs> and then 68% of the women. So, so here's the deal. You do know God is creative sex, right? Now, now, before I move forward, let me just press pause because I know this is a very uncomfortable subject, and especially if you're a first-time visitor, and I didn't see the first-time visitor, you like, <laughs> you need to do the he three Hebrew boys, Daniel's in the lion's den, Paul shipwrecked, <laughs> you understand? I didn't really come to here to talk about sex. <laughs> Well, the problem is, for the church, the most sexual education that we get as a people comes from outside of the church, and they didn't create it. So either I learned it from bad experience, I learned it from pornography, I learned it from in the bathroom walls at Exxon in the gas station. <laughs> Come on, fellas. <laughs> So I learned something that's holy from unholy sources. When God has a lot to say about it, th this is what he says in Genesis 2.24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be, what y'all, one flesh. That's a picture of sexuality, two bodies coming together as one. And watch this, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were what, y'all, not ashamed. So when God was walking through the garden and the bushes was over there shaking, he went like, ooh, what y'all doing? Because, because, I mean, let's be real. The message from the church, from my perspective, almost all my life, I've never heard a message that was actually geared toward anticipating something that God really desires for you to experience. It was always, no, you bet not. That's bad. Don't be doing that. Who you on the phone with? Which, you know what I'm saying? Just, just, just negative, 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 negative. But that's not God's view of sexuality, and I'm getting ready to show you from, from the scripture. So last week, somebody shout last week. Last week, we talked about her desire. We talked about her desire. Yeah, yeah, and it was, and Sister Girl had it going on. 
So Song of Songs is basically you have four characters. You have, you have the husband and you have his wife and then you have her friends and his friends that's going to do some talking. And this book is primarily focused on lovemaking, godly, holy lovemaking. That's probably why you don't hear it taught a lot in settings like this. But we're going we're gonna to break the norm. So we talked about her desire, and she was a trip. Last week, she says, I'm dark, but I'm beautiful. She said, it's some physical defects about my skin. I was, I was sunburned. She, she said, she says, you probably won't find a picture of my body in some magazine, but it's more to me than my physical body. I'm dark, but I'm beautiful. And then she called Brother Man to the carpet. Y'all remember, she says, she says, where you going today? Don't be treating me like no prostitute. That's what she said in the scripture, chapter number one. She said, don't think you're just going to lay with me, get up, and I know nothing about you. You're going to tell me something. Where you going? What time are you going to get there? When you, when you coming home? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Never mind, life 360. I know when you get there. You <laughs> understand? <laughs> That, that, was, that was last week's message, um, her desire. This week, I want to I talk about his approach, his approach. Now, now um, I am talking primarily to the fellas, and this is what this is going to be like. Uh, fellas, it's like we're in the locker room, and uh, we just chatting, and I'm just kind of giving you guys some wisdom based off some things that God has been challenging me with. I've learned from my own personal experience, and, and we're just kind of kicking it. Um, our wives are just eavesdropping which they know anyway, praise the Lord. <laughs> her, her desire, his approach. Now, we're going to primarily dive in chapter number four. And chapter number four, it's on. Chapter number four is the honeymoon night. It's the honeymoon night. And the way they did their weddings is a little bit different from the way we do our traditional wedding because the marriage ceremony is not done until consummation has occurred. So they may do the traditional walking down the aisle, the preacher pronounces his blessing, but as soon as they're done with the ceremony, they go into a side chamber, and everybody out there is like, woo go ahead, dog, because the wedding ain't done. And then once they finish, then they go to the reception <laughs> and eat chicken wings, and baby back ribs, and all that other kind of stuff. So they've just finished with the formal ceremony, chapter number four. They're actually going into the wedding chamber, and Solomon, this dude is smooth. He's getting ready to describe her body from the head to the toe. I'm just going to read the Bible. That's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to read the Bible. Solomon says, how beautiful you are, my darling, how Oh, how beautiful your eyes behind your veil. So she still has on her veil. She's actually getting ready to undress. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. So as she's taking off her veil, her hair was in a bun. She's taking off her bun and her hair falls. So your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. Two is interesting. He says your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn, coming up from the washing. So he says, your breath smells great. That's what that means. And then he goes on, your teeth are like a flock of sheep just sh shorn coming up 
from the washing, talking about her teeth, he says, each has its twins, not one of them alone. So he says, your breath smells good and you got all your teeth. Girl, you got all your teeth. Solomon ain't missing nothing. <laughs> He's like, let me see. Ooh, they all there. Verse 3, he says, your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temple behind your veils are like the halves of a pomegranate. Your neck is like the Tower of David built with courses of stone. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. His approach to sex, number one, if you're taking notes, uh, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. His approach to sex, first of all, is verbally affirming. It is verbally affirming. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, words do matter. What you say actually does matter. Um, in the context of sexuality, um, concerning her body and concerning his performance. And I've seen couples go through very, very chaotic times because their words were very critical. And brother didn't know how demeaning and how hurtful it was for him to make jokes about her physical body and she didn't know how hurtful it was to make jokes about his performance that's all you got you done no 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 seriously seriously so this is what proverbs 18:21 says death and light are in the power of the tongue so you literally have an opportunity to either build your spouse or to tear them down. The problem is too many of us tear, we tear the other person down and we expect them to stand up straight. I love Gary Chapman's work because he always ties this thought into all of his books that he writes. He talks about, he, if, I could, if I could have this cup for a second, he talks about an emotional love tank and the spouse's responsibility to feel the other's emotional love tank. Because this is why adultery occurs. It doesn't occur because the other person was so fine. Usually, and, and I'm gonna be very, very honest, very, very transparent, every case of adultery that have ever come to my office, when I talked to the brother and I looked at his wife and compared the girl that he was cheating with, you, you, what? Brother, if you married to Holly Berry, come on, somebody, you don't. <laughs> but watch this. It's not about the look. It's always, Pastor, she make me feel like a man. She don't look good, but emotionally she feels him. It's your responsibility to own, somebody shout on purpose. Because it doesn't always come natural. Because sometimes you're mad. Sometimes, the, you know, the, he ain't pick up his clothes out the floor. Sometimes she didn't do this, what you expected her to do, so forth and so on. And it's so easy to speak down and, sport and, and not build them, build them up. Am I making sense in this place? So his first approach is simply affirming her. And he begins to describe her, her body. He goes on to say, verse number five, he says, your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. Now watch this. Anybody in here ever hunt deer? Any, anybody? We got a 
few, few guys, my boy right there. What? Deer? What kind of gun you got? Jesus. I ain't never joking with you again. <laughs> now, I, I've never gone deer hunting, but all the guys I talk, matter of fact, me and my boy, uh, Marcus, we were just talking about this the other day. He was, um, went deer hunting and, um, <laughs> dang, I'm sorry. It was somebody that kept talking that wouldn't stop talking. His wife <laughs> in the deer stand, just, she just kept talking. And she's going to scare off the deer. Because he describes her breast as two fawns, meaning that you need to be gentle, because if you're not gentle, the fawns will run off. I'm just reading the text. Like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. Verse 6 says, until, watch this, until the day breaks, he says all night long. That's where Lionel Richie got that from. Lionel Richie plagiarized. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountains of myrrh and to the hill of incense. Watch this. His approach is verbally affirming, but it's also gentle and patient. Brothers, let me holler at you just for a second, man. Let me holler at you just for a second because... At times, and I'm talking about all the brothers, I'm including myself in that, sometimes sexually we can be selfish. We, we can be selfish, and I'll, I'll be honest. My wife was my first. She says I'm her first and last. She say alpha and omega. <laughs> Watch this. I say amen and stay alive. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Amen. Keep waking up saying good morning. <laughs> and, 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 And so I'm, I'm, and, and I'm talking, and I want both single guys and married guys to hear me because I wish I had somebody, and, and not throwing rocks at my dad. My dad did the best he could. He was just concerned about STDs and pregnancy. <laughs> Man, it wasn't nothing. I'd, be, I'd just be laying in the bed. It'd be like 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm getting ready to get here just busting the room. Boy, you having sex? <laughs> Are you having sex? Like, dog, dad, can I get up out of bed? I mean, can, can you wait till we get to breakfast? So, so STDs and pregnancy. Don't bring on no disease. Don't bring on no baby. You good. But, but he never really, so sex was this thing that I just, I just can't do. I just can't do. But he never put in me that it's something that you want to do and it's so precious that you want to offer this as a gift to your future wife. So I made it. But I made it with the wrong attitude. I wish I had somebody to give me these nuggets to walk because, you know, that night it was, it was, it was on and it was done. <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> Let's be real. I'm, I'm talking real grown. I'm just, just grown. Because watch this. In the movies, when he done, she done. So I'm thinking, I'm done. Why are you looking like that? What's wrong with you? So Solomon says, I'm gentle and I'm patient. He says, all night long, the, the emphasis, the focus is, I'm going to make sure you're satisfied. Now, brothers, I need you to hear my heart. 
It's your responsibility to make sure she's satisfied. And not just run in the bedroom, just be like, well, you, you just take care of me. Because men are microwaves, women are crockpots. It's going to take her a little bit longer. Are y'all okay? Again, I know a very uncomfortable, very touchy subject, but the reality is the world wants to teach this same subject, but they're going to teach it in a very, very perverted way, and it's going to be in a non-committed relationship. Come on, some, because here's the deal. Watch this. Watch this. God meant for sexuality to be a source of bonding. We talked a couple of weeks about oxytocin, the, what doctors, some doctors call the love drug in the mind, that when you have a sexual release, there's oxytocin that's released in the brain, and it bonds you to that other person. So watch this. Every time you bond to somebody and you rip apart through breakup, and you bond again with somebody and you rip apart through breakup and you, you bond with somebody else and you got 10 years of, 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 watch this, tying your soul and having it ripped again. By the time you do hook up with the right brother, you so messed up in your head. By the time you hook up with the right sister, you don't know how to treat her like nothing because your soul is so fragmented. So the world is ready to teach you about sex, but not God's way. Not in an emotional and spiritual healthy way. Can somebody say amen to that? So he says, I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to make sure that you are pleased. I'm going to make sure that you're satisfied. Can somebody say amen to that? He says, verse number seven, you are altogether, altogether beautiful, my darling. There is, somebody shout, no flaw. There is no flaw in you. Now watch this. Chapter number one we read last week where she says, don't look at me, I'm ashamed because my body is dark. In other words, she goes on to explain chapter number one, verse number six. She says that my brothers forced me to work outside and do their job. And I couldn't take care of my body because I was outside and my sin is seared. It is, it is, it is sunburned. But he looks at her. And he says, there is no flaw in you. Deacons, we have a thread in the back. <laughs> My deacons don't reside though, but Jesus. His approach to sex is number one, it's what y'all? Verbally affirming. Number two is what? Number three is mentally consecrated. I wanna talk to the, again, this is just locker room talk, man. Let's, 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 let's chat for a minute, man. Um, My wife has become the most beautiful woman in the world. And I had to train my wife, train my eyes to do just that. There, there's it. Let me show you. Let me show you. Job 31.1 says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on a, at a young woman. I had to make a covenant with my eyes not to cheat with my eyes. Because 
you can't, you can't say there's no flaw in you and really mean it when you got a bunch of comparative stuff that you always looking at. And the reality, especially when it comes to the porn in industry, your wife will absolutely never, ever compare to photoshopped, edited photos. She will never compare to pornographic videos because in the videos, if it hurt, she act like it feels good. And if you ain't careful, you'll try to bring that mess in your bedroom and you'll be mad at your wife, come on somebody, because she ought to be shinging, swinging from chandeliers. And you're like, why you ain't swinging? Why you, what's up with you? Because I've been working all day, I'm tired. He mentally consecrates himself. He says there's no flaw in him. Now watch this. There's a fine line between admiration and lust. It's one thing to admire. I mean, beautiful woman. That's a beautiful woman. I can, I can recognize somebody that's pretty. The reality is, if you find, you could have on three robes, and I just know you fine. I just look at you. you she fine. But there's a difference between admiration and, and brothers, too many times we ain't admiring, we lusting. And when you start lusting, internally you start wanting. And the more you start desiring that, the less you'll desire who you really want or should want. Is anybody with me in this place? Verses number eight says, come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Descend from the crest of Amana, from the top of Sinir, the summit of Hermon, from the lion's den and the mountain's haunts of leopards. Verse 11 is connected to what he says in verse number eight. He says, "Your somebody shout lips. Now watch this, watch this. Speaking about verbal affirmation, he has 10 verses before he ever touches her body. 10 verses of building her up, affirming her as a person before he ever lays a hand on her. We finally get to verse number 11. He says, your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under, somebody shall under your tongue. This is a French kiss right here, y'all. That's exactly what that is. It's a French kiss. And watch this. I think God is pretty cool because French wasn't even, France wasn't even a country then. French kissing in the Bible. Yeah. Mm. What is he saying? His approach to sex, number one, is what, y'all? Verbally affirming. Number two, what is it? Gentle and patient. Number three is what? Number four, participatory. Now, now. This is what he does. Verses number eight, and he says a couple of things, nine and ten, but verse number eight is the theme verse where he says, come with me. Come. So he's asking her to participate. Then he does something to help stimulate. I, I need you to see that in verses number 11. Eight, he says, come, I'm asking you to participate. And then he don't just jump on her. No, I'm doing something on purpose to help you 
Because how many know brother, sister need a little help sometime? How come the sister said amen, but the brothers didn't say nothing? Am I okay, sweetie? You ain't give me no help this morning either. She ain't give me no help. She said, what you talking about this morning? I said the same thing I talked about last week. She just said, that's quiet. Hmm. I want to talk about open mouth kissing for a second. Again, God is, God is the author of sex. It's not nasty. It's not dirty. It is a gift that he gives to a married couple, and the biblical married couple is one man, one woman, one lifetime. So watch this. God designed, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, your body. Watch this. Watch this. God designed your body that once it starts, it's not supposed to finish until you finish. I need you to hear me. That's the way you design. When you start the process, you're not supposed to finish it until you finish. For my singles, I want to just warn you, my personal opinion, when it comes to open mouth kissing, you starting something that ain't supposed to finish until you finish. When you train saliva, come on somebody, when your tongue in his mouth, his tongue in your mouth, you starting something, y- y'all, y'all. Now, I know you, you willpower. I'm, we, we just going to go so far, but I'm telling you, in a few days, in a few months, your body going to win because God designed you that way. Can anybody say amen to that? Look at somebody single. Tell them, shut your mouth. You better, shut, you better, you better kiss like this. Somebody shout his approach. It's verbally affirming, gentle, patient, mentally consecrated, participatory. Verse number 12, he goes on to say, I'm almost done. You are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. You are a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. He's talking about her virginity. Again, he started from the top, talking about her eyes, actually her hair. And he's literally worked himself all the way down. your, Your hair, your eyes, your teeth is all of them there. Your lips, your breasts. Now he's going further. You are a garden locked up. My sister, my bride, you are a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. He's talking about the hymen of her, the flesh. Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates with choice fruits with henna and nard nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon with every kind of incense, tree and with myrrh and alloys and all the finest spices. You are a garden fountain, a well of flowing water streaming down from Lebanon. And he's talking about exactly what you think he's talking about. I'm in y'all Bible. I'm I'm in the book. Y'all pastor nasty, reading from them nasty books. I'm reading out the Bible. The, the same thing I've been preaching from all year. This is my Bible. <laughs> you understand? 
been preaching from this all year. All year. So watch this. For 15 verses, he's been spinning serious game. Serious game. Verse number 16, she finally chimes in and she says, Awake north wind and come south wind. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't even read the text. I can't even, they gonna read, oh, oh, y'all gonna read it for me? Y'all gonna read it for me? We have visitors, we have first time visitors. <laughs> Where my other water at? I had some other water. Where's... <laughs> I can't even read the text. Oh, y'all gonna read the text. It's like that. Sister girl said, awake north wind and come south wind. Blow on my garden that its fragrance may spread everywhere. Let my beloved come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. Before I go to the next point, and this ties into the next point, she says, it's your garden. This, she says, this, <laughs> it belongs to you. So, his approach to sex <laughs> is number one, what, y'all? Number two is what? Number three, what? Number four is what? Number five, it is by permission. It is by permission. Just because you married, you can't rape her. Can't take it. You can't take it. Now, I want to talk to both the married and the single brothers. Now, understand, understand, come in for a second. What we're reading was the sexual education program for Hebrew children. This is what they learned in school. And so they didn't learn it with the attitude, you bet not, you bet not. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to show you the warning in the text because it does issue a warning. We skipped over it last week, but it issues three warnings in the text that I'm getting ready to show you in just a moment. So it wasn't, it bet not, it bet not. It was, this is so beautiful, it's worth waiting for. That's the way they saw it. So... His approach is verbally affirming, is gentle, is patient, is mentally, mentally consecrated. My, my wife, my wife, in my mind, I'm going to make her the most beautiful woman in the world. So I only want her when I feel the desire, the first person that comes to mind, the first woman, that, the body that, there it is. When I want to make love, the first body that comes to mind is my wife's. 
mentally consecrated participatory, and it is by permission. Who do you, whose permission? Watch this. Her father's permission, and not natural. Her heavenly father's permission, single brothers, and your wife's permission, married brothers. So I'm 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 with I'm doing this thing. Um, so I'm 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 doing this thing. So I'm doing this thing. <laughs> Trying to see if he's gonna be embarrassed or not. It's okay, I'll pay him later. So I'm doing this thing with my son. Five dollars. And I had a great conversation with my son. And, and this, is, this is just my rules in my house. Um, just, this is Greg. Why are you dating somebody at nine years old? What y'all finna be doing by yourself? Devil is a lie. I got a girlfriend. You ain't got nothing. <laughs> so if he's had a girlfriend up until this point, it wasn't because I okayed it. Praise the Lord. So I, you know, I'm I'm preparing my son for for his first date. <laughs> Ain't nothing to me on. It's just my resp is that Tracy? Hey girl, and this your first time coming? Jesus. <laughs> so I'm preparing my son, and and so so right now we're just going through some resources, and you know. Once he's done, a couple of chapters will chime in or whatever. But this is ultimately what I want to paint in my son's mind. Um, the first girl that you date, I want you to think of it like she's possibly my best friend's wife. So if she becomes my best friend's wife on his wedding day, their wedding day, I want to be able to look both of them in the eyes and know that I honored his wife and I didn't defile your body. That's, that's my goal. I know you're gonna date, you, you're, gonna, you're gonna court, and, and I'm hoping it's more court than traditional dating, praise the Lord. But, but that's the goal, because watch this, watch this. Uh, stand up, sweetie. You fine self. Every woman that I've ever kissed before her was somebody else's wife. Every other woman that I laid, led on and made them think that it was something more than what it actually was, I broke somebody else's wife's heart. I did that. And so there were times that I approached a young lady because at the end of the day, God spoke this to me when we first got married because I, you know, I, I grew up in a house, I grew up in a house where my dad was a lot more passive. He was a lot more passive. My mom was more domineering. So when I got married, the devil is a lie. I did stuff, stupid stuff on purpose just to show I'm the man. It was ridiculous. And God spoke to me one day and he says, your wife is my daughter. It made me adjust my attitude how I was treating my wife. So watch this. Before I even approached her, relationship-wise, 
I really did get his permission because I was in a place of consecration. I just really wanted God. He gave me permission for this. Now, for the rest of her, I don't need his permission. That's already granted. For the rest of her, I do need her permission. And sexuality is beautiful. It's beautiful. When you got his permission to marry her and you have her permission to take her body and her body becomes yours. That is God's design for godly sexuality. Can somebody say amen to that? Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there are just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted your life in any way and you'd love to help us to continue to impact the lives of others, go to our website, empowerthecity.org and select Give Now. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time.